Welcome to Rose Tinted, a podcast where we challenge the limits of our nostalgia by re-examining some of our favourite childhood movies. I'm Ollie Chip. And I'm Paddy HK. And today we will be discussing Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. So before we get started, uh, as always, I want to give the uninitiated some background info about this podcast. You and I, Ollie, we're old friends. We are. Go way back. And uh, we decided to make a list of our favourite childhood movies so we can revisit them one by one and see if they still hold up to scrutiny. And so we've got some loose rules for our selection process. The movies have to bear some kind of significance to our childhood or early adolescence. And we try to only select movies that we have not watched since that time. So, Ollie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Pokemon movie? <laughs> okay, let's get this shit show rolling, shall we? <laughs> let's get this out of the way. Okay, so uh, here's my sort of summary of the film. So it's in a world full of battling lovable monsters, uh, a genetically engineered super Pokemon called Mewtwo hatches an evil plan to rid the world of humans and Pokemon once and for all. Ash Ketchum and his friends must use all of their skill to foil the plot before it's too late. Yeah, I mean, that's in theory what the movie's about. (laughs) That is a good synopsis, I'll give you that. Do you want my one-line summary for this, my one-sentence summary? Yeah, please. A zero-effort animated feature-length advert to subliminally extort money from unsuspecting parents. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I think that's like scarily accurate i wouldn't even go i wouldn't even use that many words i would just be like lazy just lazy it is a lazy boy is this movie it is it is so it's obviously an animated feature uh, it was released in 1999 it cost 30 million us dollars roughly to make but it also did make back 163 and a half million i mean i'm not even remotely shocked i'm not even like a tiny bit shocked that it made that much money compared to its budget yeah i mean i've got some other bits and pieces that we'll talk about a bit later in terms of other movies released in that time period like with the same production value and we'll look at the numbers there and it might change your mind slightly about that um but why are we talking about this movie today why did it make the list for you well I mean, we couldn't not talk about this movie, could we? When we were children, Pokemon was everywhere. Like, everywhere. I mean, for the people who aren't aging millennials in the audience, it was absolutely unreal how pervasive it was as a trend, wasn't it? Mm. And obviously, like all children, because I truly believe it was all children, like all children at that time, I was just completely obsessed with it. I had the cards, I had the games, I watched the anime, I went to go see the movie. So yeah, I loved Pokemon. I mean, and a part of me still really does. I still really do love Pokemon. I think the designs of uh, a lot of the monsters are cool. I think the games are still really fun, although I haven't revisited them in a while either. But yeah, in terms of my history with this movie specifically, I went to go see it in the cinema when it came out, and I have not seen it since. No. In terms of the scenes that I remember from that experience, 
I remember Ash turning to stone. There's a scene towards the end where Ash, the protagonist, gets turned to stone and Pikachu, his best friend slash main Pokemon, uh, cries and his tears bring him back to life. And I remembered that scene because I remember crying in the cinema at that scene at the sheer emotional weight of that scene. Well, can I, can I, if I just pause you there for a second. So before we watched it this week, you bet me a fiver that that would still make you cry. What was your emotional reaction when you watched it again the other day? I laughed like a maniac throughout that entire (laughs) sequence. We'll probably get into that a little bit more, but like when they just suddenly went from (laughs) zero to 100 and ramped the emotions up just completely out of nowhere. I was just like, where has this come from? But yeah, no, I didn't cry. Okay, good. But what about you? Why did it make the list for you? Well, similar, like you can't talk about the 90s without talking about Pokemon, right? So it's obvious that it had to be on the list. But I think the, the reason for me primarily why it was on the list is because it was probably the first major cinematic event of my life. Mm. So queuing up outside a cinema to get in, all of your friends are there like in a big party and, and everyone's been eagerly awaiting the release of the film. So I think it was an important sort of event there. Um, in terms of memory of the film, like, oh man, like I pulled a right blank on this one. The only thing that I could really remember was Pikachu running up a spiral sort of staircase being chased by all those black pokeballs that was literally the only memory i had of it however i can vividly remember the limited edition pokemon card that i was given upon entry to the cinema (laughs) like i have that that's like etched in my memory forever but I, i couldn't remember a single thing about the movie but i could definitely remember that card well i think a better way of approaching this uh because we don't tend to dwell on what we remembered about the movies uh too much but um Do you remember how the movie made you feel as a child? Like, what did that film viewing experience leave you with as a child? Uh, It left me with a limited edition Pokemon card. (laughs) (laughs) So unparalleled joy, basically, is what you're trying to tell me. (laughs) I, I just, I honestly have no recollection. See, I remember walking out of the cinema and feeling completely like elated okay i remember thinking that was the greatest thing i have ever seen in my life wow poor you oh i know but like as a movie experience if you go into that as a child who has no understanding of what makes a good movie whatsoever but you just know you really 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 like pokemon it ticks all of those boxes that's true and so i think my experience back then as a child was so context reliant you know, you're going into it riding the Pokemon wave. You're going into it on a sugar rush of Pokemon high. Yeah, you're going into that movie wearing your Pikachu baseball cap yeah. and your Ash Ketchum limited edition red backpack and, and all of this stuff, right? So like, you're engrossed in what is essentially like a culture at that point in time. So looking back on it now, it's really difficult because we're obviously not a part of that that social... Can we call it a social movement? Yeah, absolutely. I would say you can call it a social movement because it completely dictated the terms of the social contract as a child you know your entire social standing depended on what pokemon cards you had and people would steal each other's cards like new ways of bullying kids came out of pokemon i think if you have any piece of pop culture that inspires children to bully each other in new ways to commit acts of violence against each other yes it's absolutely definitely a social movement um (laughs) what i actually want to do now is because i think it was such a generational divide and i would love to 
play you a, a, a recording of my mum detailing what her experience of taking me to go and see the Pokemon movie was like. Um, so I had a phone call with my mum yesterday, and I think this really, really accurately sums up the bewildering experience that is the Pokemon movie when you are an adult. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to play it now. So on the podcast, we're going to be watching the Pokemon movie. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so I'm actually recording this conversation as we speak. <laughs> Can you just, like, describe to me in your own words what it, what it was like to take a bunch of children to go see the Pokemon movie in the cinema? As parents, we drew lots who had to go, who had to go and, uh, and take you. And I lost. <laughs> I had to take you. And it was horrible. Taking you not to Pokemon was absolute torture. There wasn't a hint of humour meant for parents. It was just so bloody boring. And I just hated every minute of it. And I have no idea why you guys enjoyed it. It just utterly defied it. I'm literally about to watch it. <laughs> I can't believe you put this <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Mum. That's really helpful. Very encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is golden, isn't it? Though, isn't it? <laughs> I just like the. I just like the. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah. <laughs> it was like it all came rushing back to her. <laughs> She'd repressed that. What was so hilarious about that is when I re- I had to edit it down. There was literally five minutes of like just hysterical laughter because she couldn't believe she genuinely couldn't believe that we were willingly putting ourselves through this but i think that summary of it by my mum i think she could be seen as like the archetypal parent from that era you know having to drag a bunch of sugar-fueled kids to the cinema to go and see the pokemon movie and just having absolutely no comprehension of what is happening whatsoever yeah i can really sort of understand that like all of the joy of that movie is completely and wholly wrapped up in your commitment to its universe and if you don't have any access to the world of pokemon then it's gonna be fucking awful yeah, absolutely. It must be so bewildering, like, for a parent to have to go through that. I mean, it's bewildering for me rewatching it the other day, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that too. Even though we have the context and the knowledge of the universe, we sort of exist in this interesting nether space between being former fans of the franchise or even still current fans of the franchise and sort of having the knowledge that you need to go into the movie but also being removed enough from it that we can sort of see its abject cynicism, essentially. Yeah, I was thinking to myself while I was watching it, like, me in 1999 probably enjoyed this. But I was trying to think now, in 2021, I don't think a kid would be able to watch this film now and enjoy it. No, I actually disagree. And I happen to know this because my friend has an eight-year-old daughter. I think she's seven, actually. And she's a huge pokemon fan okay i could be wrong with this movie specifically i could be wrong but i do know that she's a pokemon fan he's a pokemon fan and the chances of her not having seen this movie are minimal absolutely minimal and i can guarantee you she will have enjoyed it do you know what what you've just told me then has made me deeply deeply sad oh yeah definitely (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. What good stuff is there in this, Paddy, to you? Well, this movie made me seriously reconsider the entire structure of this podcast, basically. So generally, what we try and do, we give a little synopsis about the movie, and then we talk about our experiences with it, and then we run through the good stuff, the things that still hold up, the things that we liked about the movie, and then we run through the bad stuff and, you know, what we didn't like, and then what we would change. And this movie made that structure feel completely obsolete. (laughs) And I don't mean because I don't think there was enough good stuff to talk about. I mean, there wasn't, but I don't mean because of that. This movie made me question whether or not you can actually call this a movie. And so, therefore, made me question... the entire purpose of doing this podcast. And that sent me into a bit of an existential spiral, if I'm completely honest with you. But in terms of the good stuff, obviously, when I saw the Pokemon come on screen, I did have like a little residual kind of dopamine hit that was just like, oh my God, it's the Pokemon, it's the Pokemon. And you know, the nostalgia still kicked in. Okay. But the whole point of this podcast is we're trying to divorce ourselves from nostalgia and try to honestly, critically reassess these movies, right? Yeah. So obviously, I felt these sort of small waves of pleasure when I was watching the movie that I acknowledge. But in terms of objectively what I actually think is decent about the movie, I have two points. I think the soundtrack is all right. God damn, are you kidding me? No, I... I don't mean the songs. I don't mean the songs that they're singing. I Literally, this is what I have in my notes. Soundtrack is nice. I enjoyed the oboe. So there's an oboe <laughs> at one point. <laughs> there's an oboe or a clarinet at one point. And it's sort of, I think it's at the beginning when Mewtwo first appears. And there's sort of like this, I like those instruments. I like that sort of snaky kind of vibe. So I enjoyed the oboe. Right. And the other thing was I said here, Mewtwo has the makings of a semi-interesting character. Right. And I don't mean he is an interesting character, because he's not, but there is a seed there that could be expanded into a more interesting character. But those are literally the only two things that I could peel away from the crushing disappointment that was watching this movie again. Um, I liked the oboe, and Mewtwo was almost an interesting character, and that's it. Yeah, I think that Mewtwo does have the potential to be (laughs) an interesting character. A psychic, genetically engineered clone i think is awesome as a concept and he looks quite cool aesthetically same with charizard like i like charizard's attitude as well i think he's really cool so yeah i think like those two pokemon are like relatively interesting like they have an indication of a personality i suppose you would say i think the message of the film is a relatively like positive one to share with children so i think mewtwo right at the end says it's what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are I think that that is a positive moral message to give to the children watching the story and watching the movie. Um, And it got one laugh out of me, this movie, like a genuine laugh. Uh, And that was when Jesse from Team Rocket, who are like these sort of, I don't know, you'd call them like pseudo villains, wouldn't you, of the Pokemon universe, but they're really useless at being villains. She's, She's rowing the boat and she's going stroke, stroke, stroke like that in sort of like a Nordic accent. And then she just says... I think I'm going to have one because she's out of breath. And that was the only time that I got a, gen- it got a genuine laugh out of me. And again, even that is just like low-hanging fruit. Like you're just looking for anything at that point. <laughs> oh, tell me about it, man. So two Pokemon are cool. One laugh out of me from a bad pun. And the film's message, although it isn't convincingly conveyed, is a good one. Cool. Um, 
This is good. We're talking through the process. This is almost like a therapy session for me, but you've actually reminded <laughs> me of some other things that I slightly enjoyed. I also got a genuine laugh. I laughed a lot during this movie, but mainly just out of complete disbelief. It was sort of more the hollow laughter of someone who's slowly going mad more than anything else. But <laughs> the time that I genuinely laughed is whenever Psyduck was on screen, because I think Psyduck is a hilarious Pokemon, and I think it's a cool design and it's really funny. Although it's a very tragic Pokemon, because doesn't it have just like a perpetual migraine? Like, that's super depressing, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like the way it says its name and the way it walks around, I always found really funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, Christ. That's it. Done. That's it. That is everything good about this movie. So I'm simply the end result of your experiment. What becomes of me now that your experiment is over? Oh, our experiment isn't over yet. It's just beginning. Now the serious testing begins. Okay, so we may as well just get straight into this. Yeah. No more holding back. Why don't you tell me what you did not enjoy about this movie? Well, I mean, where do you start? (laughs) Where do you start? I think the main issue that I had with this film is how low effort and bad the animation is. Mm. That would be the one thing like, okay, fine. Narratively, there's nothing there. There's no characters that are developed. But at the very least, Pokemon movie, make your animations interesting. But... Man, this thing's running at, like, 13 frames a second. It is so bad and so low effort that I was actually insulted. Yeah, it really is bad. I noticed that as well. That was one of the first things I wrote in my notes. It's sort of like they use a lot of static backgrounds where half of the figures are moving, half of them aren't. The frame rate's terrible, like you say. And I think it uh, points to sort of a wider issue with the movie, which is the movie knows that it can get away with being lazy. Yeah, man. It's no better than the anime. Well, I mean, let's put it in comparison then. Let's let's hold it up to its contemporaries. So released in 1999, you had Toy Story 2 and Princess Mononoke by Studio Ghibli, right? Let's start with Toy Story 2. So it's not hand-drawn animation, it's CGI. It had a bigger budget, but the effort that went into character development and to story and to, you know, set up and pay off of different sequences, cause and effect, a brilliant. Toy Story 2 is is a fantastic movie, right? That is one of its contemporaries there, and you would never, ever in a million years accuse Pixar or the Toy Story franchise of being low effort, right? No. But you might say, okay, but it's CGI, it's got a 90 million budget as opposed to a 30 million one, like it's a bit of a different kettle of fish. Okay, well, let's have a look at Princess Mononoke then, which is a Studio Ghibli movie from 1999, so same year as the Pokemon movie. 23 and a half million budget so it costs less to make but (laughs) that film is a a work of art yeah in terms of its animation style Um, it's beautiful it's it's absolutely beautiful and then let's just have another comparison there you've got a bug's life made in 1998 and spirited away in 2001 right made on a 19 million dollar budget so nearly half what pokemon movie cost so it's not like this was a trend like this is stand out in its shit Mm -hmm. not only that it's so inexcusably shit because (laughs) think about pokemon in 1999 think about the sheer amount of wealth behind that franchise right they could have poured so much money into this movie to make it look crisp and to make the animation like unbelievably good and the fact that the animation is so basic and so lazy just speaks volumes about just 
about the motives behind the movie you know <laughs> yeah. they don't want to make a movie they don't want to make a work of art they want to make money and all movies want to make money all movies want to make a profit but there's absolutely no excuse for it looking as bad as it does just none whatsoever no i know and and that's what angered me about the film it's like it was insulting my it was insulting my attention span the movie assumes that i won't notice these things as a child you probably don't but like you know you get slightly older it's probably why your mum had such a terrible experience watching this film is that it's just like insultingly bad in that regard i mean it's going to be difficult here to not just go into a, a black hole of <laughs> problems because this this film is just riddled with terrible terrible artistic decisions and terrible terrible narrative decisions but i think what we can do probably is go through like the headlines of what's wrong with them i'm just going to say this now there is far more wrong with this film than the things we are talking about now like we just don't have enough time in the day honestly i could talk about the black hole of despair this movie led me into for longer than the runtime of the movie if I wanted to. Oh, 100%, 100%. But um, we need to sort of rein it in and sort of figure out how we're going to streamline it. So you also mentioned characters earlier. Yep. Um, Basically, there are no characters, essentially. Each character can be defined by a very simple set of traits. You mentioned like Mewtwo and Charizard have some semblance of a personality, right? Yeah. Everyone else in the movie... Their entire character can be summed up thus. They either like Pokemon, they are a Pokemon, they're hungry, or in Brock's case, they're horny. That is everything. That is everything in this movie in terms of characters. Why is Brock such a lecherous wanker? I don't know. And I I had totally forgotten about that. But he is completely dogging it out from the beginning of this movie. And I believe he also does it in the series generally as well. I think think that's his quirk. His quirk is he's got his massive rock hard on Pokemon. And... He's got his massive phallic snake rock Pokemon and he just <laughs> relentlessly hits on women all the time. I think that's basically Brock's thing. Oh, God. I mean, I would agree. Like, to me, like, the the characters, and I, I'm, I'm air quoting for, for those of you listening, the characters are talking at each other. They never talk to each other. Yeah. It's like they're all just, like, making statements in the vague direction of other people. There's no actual dialogue between characters they're all just like a series of small monologues it's fucking crazy like i could i could not i could not understand what they were talking about because they were just like talking at each other not to each other do you know what i mean yeah and this is why this movie experience was so trippy it was a very disassociative experience because you're watching it and you're like am i just not getting this yeah i know you start to doubt your own sanity and your own ability to decipher a story yeah absolutely but it's not like wacky or psychedelic or like out there with these big concepts it's just there's just something a little bit off about it it sits firmly in the uncanny valley i think in that sense yeah well i think uh, a good way of considering this movie is it's like if a group of aliens in a spaceship came down to earth and we ask them to make a film for humans, it would it would be like this. It's like humans like watching movies. We're going to try and recreate a movie like a human would enjoy. And they make it, and it comes out like the Pokemon movie. And yeah. it's like, it's almost made by a human, but you can tell that it's not. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's mental. It was very... I mean, I feel like I should be contributing more, but honestly, I'm not just saying this to be a snob. I'm not just saying this to be hyperbolic. It was an exhausting experience, yeah, not dude. just experiencing the movie, but 
trying to streamline my thoughts and actually figure out where I existed in relation to this movie and like that's why I'm actually finding it quite difficult to talk about because it all kind of just washed over me um but yeah what else did you uh, have on your list um a lot of it is is structure related I think so like act one usually right is the establishment of the world of your film the introduction of your characters your, your antagonist your protagonist and some form of like catalyst for events to take place that's your first act like your setup basically your middle act is overcoming some hurdles some trials and tribulations and and you know your characters learning all of these different experiences little things happen and then your third act is the defeating of the villain and then the return to some form of normality right yeah. that's your classic three act structure this film goes right first 40 minutes of movie establish antagonist second 40 minutes of movie defeat antagonist it's so weird isn't it like there's no there's no middle ground between the two things it just goes from one to the other you've hit the nail on the head everything about this movie is like so rushed and i even think that you are generous in saying that the first 40 minutes are used to establish the antagonist because the way they establish Mewtwo's character, right? So in the beginning of the movie, Mewtwo wakes up in this lab and he suddenly realizes he's like this lab rat and he goes through the throes of a deeply complex existential crisis where he questions his purpose in life in about five minutes. It's in about seven minutes. He's literally born. He achieves consciousness and starts to realize he has no purpose in life. And gets and gets utterly filled with hate for everyone and everything. Yeah, within literally a, a matter of minutes. I mean, it's so few minutes, I'd be tempted to say a matter of seconds. It's absolutely wild. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Mewtwo has gone from zero to 100 in no time at all. It was, oh man, it was, and that's what I mean by exhausting. I was just watching it. I was like, whoa, like, yeah. this is just like really, like, they're really not messing about. They're just getting straight into it, but in oh. sort of like not a good way. <laughs> but what that ends up actually being, weirdly, is a prologue, right? Because after all of that shit with Mewtwo, you then have the title montage with the credits, don't we? When Ash and his gang is fighting that, like, you know, miscellaneous villain. Um, and then after that point, you are straight into your third act. You're straight into hero versus villain. Yeah, yeah. The only middle ground between those two things is the boat trip. They go on this boat to go to the island to mm. face Mewtwo. They don't know they're going there to face Mewtwo, but that's what they end up doing. Mm. And they have to travel to the island on a boat, right? And there's a storm. That is the film's middle second act, is that storm. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And then it's into the final battle. It is crazy, isn't it, when you actually think about it? It just completely rushes through the normal structural points of a movie. And I think part of the reason for that is because it knows its audience. The audience came to see Pokemon battle each other. The movie doesn't care about anything apart from which Pokemon can we show on screen, how many Pokemon can we show on screen, and can we clone some of the Pokemon to double them up on screen? Sure, why not? Do you know what's better than one Blastoise? <laughs> Fucking two. Two Blastoise, but one of them has to have, like, weird... Tattoos. Yeah, tattoos to show that it's evil. Like, because obviously they're completely indistinguishable as fucking characters, so you need one to have markings so you understand which is oh, which. God damn. I mean, you, you mentioned, you mentioned like, the film knows its audience and wants to give Pokemon battles. Like, tell me one distinctive Pokemon fight in this other than Pikachu slapping a clone of Pikachu repeatedly. 
<laughs> well, let's not just skate past Pikachu slapping Pikachu because that was profoundly amusing, that scene. Well, what my point is, you say that the battles are the thing that they're trying to like, they know that that's what the kids want to see. The battles to me in this film were shockingly slow paced and dull, like visually and in terms of action. They couldn't be bothered to animate the fights properly. So they're just like one big knockout punch, then another knockout punch. There's no sort of like tension or threat in any of the fights. There's no like dynamic visuals or dynamic movement in any of the animation. It's all just like turgid, static, boring images. Well, yeah, and absolutely. And I think we're focusing on the wrong word here. You're focusing on the word battles when actually the word that we should be focusing on is Pokemon, right? Again, it doesn't even care about the battles. It just cares about the Pokemon. So it's just basically like, oh, look, it's a Blastoise. Oh, look, it's a Psyduck. Oh, look, it's a Charizard. I know that Pokemon. I know that Pokemon. Who's that Pokemon? Oh, I know that Pokemon. Who's that Pokemon? Oh, I know that Pokemon. Sorry, if we keep going, like, seriously, you're going to uncork me. You're going to uncork me. And I'm going to start spiraling. I'm going to become a spiraling, babbling mess. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do then is I'll just finish off like other things that I noticed about the, the narrative that I just wanted to pick up on. Like in the final confrontation, again, I'm air quoting here, but why is everyone in that last battle with Mewtwo a complete spectator <laughs> other than Ash? Like there's about five or six other trainers there, aren't there? Pokemon trainers yeah. there, aren't they? And they've all got their own gangs of Pokemon and all of them stand and watch everything happen and then occasionally it cuts to their reaction of the stuff that's happening and they all say their own version of the same line and i'm sorry like i'm gonna have to pick up your point here and just go into this for a second okay all right so you're right at that point in the movie the big climax of the pokemon clones and the original pokemon sort of kicking the shit out of each other is happening and all the pokemon trainers <laughs> are watching this happen right <laughs> they're watching it happen and they're just like oh man pokemon weren't meant to fight not like this. Cut to another character. <laughs> Why can't Mewtwo understand? It's not right to force Pokemon to battle this way. Cut to another character. They're living creatures. This just proves that fighting is wrong. Cut to another character. Now I can see how horrible fighting really is. And like, I'm, I'm actually struggling for words at how annoyed that made me. Because I was just like, literally, that is the entire backbone of your entire fucking franchise. Right? So... <sighs> And here's the thing. So the movie is basically saying we shouldn't fight all these trainers who have spent literally their entire lives, whose entire characters are based around fighting Pokemon with each other, like battling Pokemon with each other, suddenly have this seeming moment of clarity where they're like, oh no, battling Pokemon is wrong. But two caveats for that. Firstly, the movie seems to be making some kind of distinction between the kind of fighting that Mewtwo is making these Pokemon do and the kind of fighting they normally make the Pokemon do. And as far as I can see... There's no distinction. There's no distinction whatsoever. <laughs> so the fact that you can see with your own two eyes, your own human eyes, you can see that there's clearly no distinction. That then means, oh, so does that mean that these characters have suddenly had this revelation about the nature of the Pokemon human relationship. Maybe we, maybe we should stop enslaving these animals and making them <laughs> kick the shits out of each other. Yeah, maybe violence is wrong and maybe training and battling Pokemon is inherently violent. And maybe these characters are having this moment of clarity where they're suddenly seeing the consequences of their actions. But no, because then what happens is Mewtwo erases their memories and sends <laughs> yeah. them back to where they came from so they can continue to battle Pokemon. <laughs> if that's not the biggest 
kick in the nuts as well <laughs> to an audience member. Sort of like everything that you've just seen never happened. Yeah. That's what the film does to you. It erases your the character's memory and then it erases your own. Yeah. It's like everything we just watched means nothing. <laughs> means nothing. You paid to see a series of images that sparked dopamine in your child's brain whilst you stared on in complete bewilderment and nothing is learned and nothing has changed by the end of the movie. Ergo, absolutely nothing happens in this movie. It is a fever dream. Yeah, it's it's madness. Yeah. Oh mate, I'm honestly I'm getting I'm getting warm. I'm getting warm. What I liked about that as well when you were picking up on that is that the characters just passively state that as well. Yeah. It's not like, oh my god, Pikachu is like maliciously assaulting another <laughs> Pikachu. We need to intervene and stop that like this shouldn't be happening. Therefore a normal character in a normal movie would be like, that's a bad thing that's happening. I'm going to intervene to stop that from yeah. happening. But the characters in this movie just state what's going on and then watch it's really fucking weird and they don't state it to each other like you say they're all monologuing the same thing just in a slightly different way that's what i mean like it resembles a film that would been made by aliens it's like that's not how humans interact right their inner thoughts are just being said as dialogue yeah at each other like it's not a conversation it's just a collection of monologues can you imagine being a child in that movie and watching it you've spent you know the past two years or whatever it is battling pokemon like religiously you're obsessed with battling pokemon you've got the games you've got the cards you're battling you're battling you're battling and then suddenly this movie which represents you know the apex of everything pokemon suddenly turns around and says oh it's wrong to battle pokemon it's not good to battle pokemon and you're just like jesus i'm having a, a real sort of dilemma about this pokemon issue here and then by the end the movie's like oh no don't worry it's fine and then you're like oh thank god that's a relief let me go fight some more pokemon but like honestly i just want to get meta for a second and just touch upon we kind of struggled to figure out how we were going to get into this conversation at the beginning of this podcast right Mm. and i think the reason is once this cat came out of the bag there was no putting it back in like it's all systems go now like do you know what i mean i've been wound up (laughs) and i'm just fucking running in circles around my head now it is just happening i'm just gonna sit back and watch Basically, someone have a mental breakdown in front of me because of this film. No, please interject. Don't leave me adrift. I need you to help. But basically, I've hinted at this throughout this entire episode while we've been engaged in this complete exercise in futility, which is trying to deconstruct what makes this movie bad. It's all pointless. It's all pointless, and I'll tell you why it's pointless, because this is not a movie. Well, it is a movie, because it says it's a movie in its own title, so therefore it must be a movie. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That proves my point. This is so far removed from actually being a movie that it needs to have the word movie (laughs) in its title, just so you know it's a movie. But it's not a movie. And I'll tell you what it is. I have thought about this, because obviously this is what kept me up last night. But this is not a movie. It's an accessory to the wider Pokemon franchise. So it's a series of familiar images designed to provoke moments of recognition within the target audience. Not an emotional response, not anything like that, not identification with the characters, but literally moments of recognition. You may as well show a child a a Pikachu sticker and, and the child will be like, that's Pikachu. So the movie completely fails to stand up on its own merit to the point where I would struggle to even call it a movie. It is a really strangely disassociative experience, and I want to go on to explain a bit more about what I mean and what points in the movie pointed me to this conclusion. But yeah, I'll go on to that a bit more in a second. 
Yeah, well, I just wanted to pick up on the fact, like, you know, you said it's not a movie, it's a collection of, like, recognisable images that pander to fans. Mm. And that might have something to do with the makeup of the Pokemon franchise as a whole. Mm. So I've got here sort of, like, this interesting infographic, which sort of breaks down the highest grossing franchises of all time and what makes up their profit. Mm -hmm. So... First of all, I want to play a little game with you here, and, and you'll never, you'll never get this with without obviously looking at it. Can you give me a, your best guess of what the top three most successful media franchises of all time are? Mm -hmm. And one of them is Pokemon. Okay, so I'll give you that one for free. One of them is Pokemon. Can you guess the other two? Transformers and Star Wars. Which one do you think is the highest grossing? Probably Star Wars. So Star Wars and then Pokemon Transformers. I would actually say Pokemon, Star Wars, Transformers. Okay, okay, cool. Um, so you're right in saying that Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all time yeah. in all of human history. <laughs> so to date, the Pokemon franchise has made 92.121 billion US dollars. Jesus. It started in 1996, obviously, with the video games. So it's roughly worked out about 4 billion a year. Mm. Um, you are way off with the other two, though. Well, I say way off. Star Wars is down in one, two, three, four, five in fifth place. Mm. Um, Transformers is right down the bottom, sort of 20th. The top three, when I saw this, I was completely astounded, right? Number two, Hello Kitty. Oh, wow. With 80, 80 billion dollars. The next one is even more completely bonkers and off the wall to me. 75 billion dollars, right? This media franchise. Mm. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, wow. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? That's absolutely crazy. I did not expect Winnie the Pooh. Hello Kitty makes sense to me because I think Hello Kitty is super easy to brand on absolutely everything and it has no direct ties to any one idea or narrative or anything like that. And so you can basically put it on anything. Winnie the Pooh is a bit more of a head scratcher because that is its own thing. It's a storybook. Well, I'll tell you my point, right? And it's just, sorry, we've gone off a little bit of a tangent there, but I think that my point is valid here. So you mentioned that the Pokemon movie isn't a movie, it's a, a fan service recognition platform where there are images that the fan recognises and they go, oh, I know what that is, and that's where the enjoyment comes from. And I can tell you why that is, and there's a reason for this. All three of those uh, media franchises that I've just mentioned, Pokemon, Hello Kitty and Winnie the Pooh, they all have one thing in common, right? And that is that the majority of their profit is all merchandising. Well, the majority of their profit is merchandising. So $61.1 billion of the Pokemon franchise is merch. And there we come to the point. It's not a movie. At best, it's an advert. Oh, yeah, 100%. But the reason why I say this is not a movie, I don't just want to say something like that and just be like, oh, it's not really a movie, la, 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 and have people go, yeah, but where's your evidence? The evidence is in the movie itself. So a really basic definition of a movie to me is it's, it's something, it's a narrative vehicle that creates a world with characters and the world draws you in and you suspend your disbelief. Now, the difference is this movie, as a tool for merchandising and for selling merchandise, it exists very much in the real world and there's no separation really between the internal universe of the Pokemon movie and the real world we exist in as the viewers. So there's a few moments that sort of hint at this throughout the movie. So one of the biggest ones was when Jesse and James are watching all the Pokemon get processed on the computer as they're being cloned and every time a Pokemon silhouette comes up on the computer they go who's that pokemon mm -hmm. it's pikachu who's that yeah. pokemon it's so and so and like 
what that is for those that don't know is when you watch the Pokemon anime, the TV show, when it cuts to a commercial break, something that is not part of the narrative of the episode, it does a little thing where it says, who's that Pokemon? And it shows a silhouette of the Pokemon. And then you come back from commercial break and it reveals the answer to that. So it's like a little quiz that happens in each episode. So they're referencing this thing that is not a part of the internal universe of Pokemon. It's a part of the external universe of Pokemon that we, the viewers, partake in, right? And then there's that. That was moment one. Apart from that, there's another moment where Mewtwo says, like most Pokemon trainers, I too began with Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. Uh, yeah. And yeah. with the exception of Ash in the TV show, this is not actually true within the Pokemon universe itself, but this is another reference to the real world. So in the real world... Pokemon trainers, in air quotations, i.e. people that play the Pokemon games, always start with Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle, right? So when Mewtwo says, like most Pokemon trainers, he's referring to the audience of the movie, the children who are watching the movie, who then go, oh my god, that's so true, I'm a Pokemon trainer. Like, you know, Mm. and so that's what I mean when I say this is not a movie. It doesn't have its own internal universe. It exists squarely in this universe. That's why there's no effort made to suspend your disbelief. It doesn't have to suspend your disbelief because it's not a movie. And that's why there's no characters because it doesn't have to have characters because it's not a movie. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I I would say that just an added piece of evidence for that is just the fact that we've tried very desperately over the course of this episode to try and decipher what the fuck is going on in the movie. So the fact that we can't do that sort of suggests that they're not interested in making a film. What they were interested in doing was advertising their franchise to children. Yeah, exactly, and making money off of it. And this sort of circles back nicely to my mum's response to the movie. So we're struggling with this movie now, and we're familiar with the world, we're familiar with the characters, and we have nostalgia for the characters. Can you imagine going to this movie as a parent, and you you just... You'd have no idea where to begin. They'd be having the same spiral that we're having now, yeah. but in a public place in the in the movie theatre. And I totally understand that, because if you just go to the cinema and you're shown something that, by definition, is not a movie, you're just sitting in a dark room with a bunch <laughs> of children, but you have no idea what's going on. It is just, it's a totally disconnected, disassociative experience, and I hate it, and I want my childhood back, and I wish... Do you know what? And Do you know, do you know what it is, actually? Examining this movie made me question whether or not I even want to do this podcast. Because honestly, (laughs) honestly, and I'm I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I was literally like sat there just like, I was so much happier when I just thought that this was a nice movie from my childhood that I enjoyed. I wish I hadn't have dismantled the nostalgia I had for this movie because it'll never be the same again. It'll never be the same again. I was pandered to and marketed to in a shamelessly cynical way. And that's never going to change. Yeah. I'm not laughing anymore. No, me neither. But let's just try and end on a bit more of a positive note and talk about the things that we would change to improve this movie if such a thing were possible. Who's that Pokemon? It's Pikachu! Okay, so I guess what we're doing now then is we're assuming that it is a movie. Oh, well, I would go one step further and I would say, what would you do to make this a film? At first, what I was going to say was, let's assume this movie exists outside of the franchise. And actually, I don't want to do that because the first point that I've made on my things to change uh, list is if you're going to have a movie exist in this like strange, self-reflective meta space where it's aware of the franchise it's a part of, then use that to do something interesting. 
And what I would do is lean into Mewtwo's existential crisis and his drive for purpose and his horror at the idea of capturing Pokemon and using them for battles to sort of like question our collective complicity in what is essentially, you know, a horrifying concept. So you watch him befriend humans and play along with his role as a Pokemon, his assumed role as a Pokemon, before becoming disillusioned and actually having his trust broken. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, you use that as a jumping off point to have the audience question sort of like the very ambiguous moral underpinnings of what it means to be a Pokemon trainer. Mm -hmm. Is it slavery? Is it friendship? Is it both? And then keep the lessons that the characters learn sort of like the same. But rather than having everyone lose their memory at the end of the movie, the movie ends with everyone setting their Pokemon free or not setting them free, but like, you know, letting them out of the Pokeballs, so to speak you know, mm -hmm. and redefining the dynamic of the Pokemon trainer, Pokemon relationship. Because if you think about that, imagine how bold a move that would have been. You've spent, you know, the best part of four years indoctrinating children into basically this idea that, uh, th this concept, right? That mm -hmm. Pokemon are these creatures that you capture and you battle and you don't even think about it. Let's you call them slave gladiators. Miniature slave gladiators. Furry slave gladiators. So you've got these poker slaves, right? And you're just like, and you're battling them. <laughs> like, 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 and you're battling them and you're having a good time. And as far as you're aware, the purpose of Pokemon is to get captured by human beings and to be battled against each other. And they're fine with this. They see it as an element of the Pokemon human hierarchy slash friendship. And then this movie comes out and suddenly they're like, oh, no, wait this has blown this whole Pokemon thing wide open and it would add these really interesting sort of moral nuances to the universe of Pokemon and maybe allow some growth on the part of the characters and therefore the audience as well. So you don't even need to divorce the movie from its franchise to improve it. You can build upon that to its strength and that would be the first step that I would take towards making it a movie. And I think the key is in Mewtwo's character arc because he's the only one that has anything that even closely resembles one. Yeah, I would I would agree. Like the main change or the main changes that I would make would be similar. Like what your changes say to me is like, it's quite a big restructuring. And I think I agree, like the impact that that would have would be brilliant. The changes that I'm making, basically what I'm trying to do here is work with the with the shit that I've been given by this movie. So like all it would take would be like a relatively simple restructuring to actually at the very least make it a coherent movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I've sort of done. I mean, it is awful. Don't get me wrong. This wouldn't make the movie good. It would just probably turn it into a movie. Okay. So I think what the film tries to do and fails, and I've never, I don't think I've watched a film to date in my whole 29 years of life that fails so badly at this. But what it tries to do, this movie, is to, to create tension around the character of Mewtwo. Mm. When the audience is presented with Ash and his gang, the audience is in a position of knowledge about Mewtwo, but Ash isn't. So there's this tension being built or trying to be built where Ash doesn't know who this mysterious trainer is who's trying to contact him. And over the course of the movie, Ash finds out that it's actually Mewtwo contacting him. Mm. And I actually like that as a dynamic, but obviously the film does it in the completely wrong order because the audience is aware that it's Mewtwo before Ash is. So all the tension from that is completely fucking lost immediately. Yeah. So the way I would restructure it really is to start with ash right you start the movie just like you would start any other pokemon episode 
okay yeah so you start it where he's in that field they're having their lunch and then this miscellaneous trainer comes up challenges him to a fight whatever and then he gets just like in the movie then he gets this mysterious invitation from this strange trainer that no one knows about inviting him to this new island and i think it's actually called new island yes, yeah. in the movie isn't it like how fucking lazy can <laughs> yeah, you get? Yeah. Literally, they probably just had a placeholder and then didn't give it a name. It's an island that Mewtwo's created. Let's just call it New Island. <laughs> nothing clever, nothing remotely interesting, just the New Island. Um, and, you know, Ash gets this invite from Mewtwo, just like in the movie. And he's like, oh, who's this mysterious trainer? He's inviting me to this island to battle all the best Pokemon trainers in the world. So then Ash, you know, they travel to this island and it's this new Pokemon arena and it's all dark and gothic and spooky, similar to what it's like really mm. in the film. But you'd have like, you know, all the doors open on their own and this Pokemon trainer is very mysterious and you can only ever hear his voice. Um, and the whole way along you're thinking, wow, who is this Pokemon trainer? This is like, this is really quite creepy and, and interesting and, and, and a little bit scary. And then you have, you know, a second act in the movie which does not exist in this one they're like there is no middle there's a beginning and there's an end there's no middle uh, but in the middle you have ash fighting other pokemon trainers to be the best right so they're just like a series of battles and maybe in these battles between the trainers they're like a bit more gruesome and a little bit more heavyweight than they would be normally mm. so maybe some of the trainers start thinking oh like I'm not quite on board with what we've been asked to do here. Maybe they have to put their Pokemon through like these really grueling physical challenges or something. Mm. And you're thinking, oh, this trainer who's making us do this, like, I don't really agree with that. But Ash, you know, being Ash, he wins all of those challenges. And the final challenge is to defeat the trainer himself, this mysterious guy. And it's not until that moment that it is revealed to the audience that this Pokemon trainer is actually a Pokemon themselves and the most powerful Pokemon, right? And everyone's like, fucking hell, man, it's a Pokemon. <laughs> the Pokemon trainer is a Pokemon. Like, mind is blown. And, um, you know, because of what's happened previously, the audience is like, wow, this, this Mewtwo, he's really evil. He's forced these trainers to do these horrible things and these grueling tasks, mm. and he's treating everyone terribly. He's really, really, really evil. So then Ash goes into this final battle with Mewtwo and just fucking, like, goes to town on him. Yeah. And it's just like this horrible clash loads of like injuries and you know not death obviously but you know what i mean like really high high stakes high threat combat yeah eventually mewtwo is defeated and mm. in defeat you get like a flashback at the end of the movie which is then maybe a 15 to 20 minute exposition mm. of what has brought mewtwo to this point yeah so the whole movie you spend thinking that he's evil and then in the last 20 minutes all of the sympathy for him is created. Yeah. And you have that interesting, you know, exploration of his existence and the fact that he's made in a laboratory and he becomes twisted and bitter because he's had to fight Pokemon his whole life or whatever. Yeah. And then right at the end, there'd be some resolution where, you know, Mewtwo learns that what he's been doing is wrong and Ash sort of like demonstrates affection or love towards him. And then it all ends happily where ash gets his prize for being the best trainer and mewtwo learns that like destroying the universe is not the best thing to do um so literally all i've done there is i've taken the real bare bone structure of what is in the film already and just re-scrabbled it and reordered it around to make it make narrative sense i think that's a really great 
like genuinely a really really great reimagining of the movie and like I want to use that as a jumping off point to just say I sort of realized recently that this podcast might be a bit more controversial than we first thought because to <laughs> us we were just like oh this would be a fun idea to like take these movies that we loved as kids and then re-examining them to see if we still like them yeah and I didn't realize that some people might interpret that as us bashing their childhood or bashing these things that they loved as kids and you know I'm actually quite scared of some of the reviews that we might get <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to make the point that we don't want to hate these movies. Like, no. we want to love them. We remember loving these movies. We remember them having a positive impact on our lives. And we want to love them. And I think what you've done there in your reimagining is you've basically created a movie that I could love. And yeah. I think that's a really nice and really positive note to end on. You created a movie that I could love. And I've managed to more or less crawl my way out of the void that i found myself <laughs> suspended in but um no i think that's great man i think it's really really great and yeah i actually feel quite sentimental i kind of want to watch that movie now <laughs> like, i'll do i'll do a fan edit of it i'll uh, i'll i'll get a copy of it and, and recut it that'd be great and uh i guess that takes us to more or less the end of the episode and mm. the final question is oh god do <laughs> the final question is do we think you need rose-tinted glasses to appreciate this movie, or does it hold up on its own merit? Ollie, what do you think? Well, I I would say to anyone listening, if you're the same as us and you haven't watched Pokemon, the first movie Mewtwo Strikes Back since its release in 1999, then I would wholeheartedly and sincerely never watch it again. Yeah. Hold that memory in your in, in your mind of that time you went to the cinema and watch it. And just even if it's the vaguest, most fleeting remembrance of what that movie was, just keep that. Because I tell you, I've been to the other side <laughs> and it ain't pretty. And it's not worth your time. And it's not worth the terrible, tragic loss of a childhood memory that you'll have by re-watching it. Just please, please do not watch this film. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I and I think that goes back to my earlier point, which is like, we're not out here to destroy anyone's childhood. We're destroying our own childhoods. So you don't have to. Forget you even listened to this. This didn't happen. It's okay. It's just between Let's us. Let's do a Mewtwo on them. We'll do a Mewtwo yeah, on them. literally. I'm just going to erase your memory now. This never happened. It's just between us. You don't need to tell anyone. You're listening to this by yourself. You never heard this. It never happened. Yeah. Just yeah, enjoy yeah. your memories of the Pokemon movie. I mean... To more formally answer the question, I think this movie is the definition of a movie that you need rose-tinted specs to appreciate as an adult. And they need to be they need to be fucking bottle-end, thick-rimmed fucking glasses. <laughs> like Professor Frink from The Simpsons thick <laughs> level of glasses. And that's the thing. This is the definition of a movie that you need nostalgia to appreciate. So I have to concur wholeheartedly with my lovely co-host. Do not go and rewatch this movie. It will upset you. It will just upset you. And if it doesn't upset you, you're lying. You're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, I guess Christ, I guess that's it, isn't it? I guess we've done it. I, I think I think we have to end here. I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah, man. So before we go, I have to give thanks to Dilettant for letting us use their song My Dress for our wonderful theme tune. Many thanks for that. So I've been Paddy. And I've been Ollie. Please join us next time for an experience that will hopefully not be so ultimately depressing. <laughs> no guarantees. Okay.